Bye CityCast listeners. Texas teachers are leaving the profession in droves. The problem is so severe that the governor has appointed a task force to get a grip on the problem. So we thought, to figure out what's going on, why not ask the former teachers themselves? Today, we're talking to two Houston-area women who recently left teaching. We're identifying them only by their first names, Shelby and Layla, so that we can have the frankest, most candid conversation possible. It's Monday, August 22nd, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Shelby, could we start with you? Um, Could you tell me how you got into teaching? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, It's actually one of my favorite stories, honestly. So I I had dozens of teachers make several impacts on me as a child growing up. I did have a teacher in middle school who just really kind of solidified that desire of wanting to be a teacher. And I knew that I just I wanted to be just like her. Um, So caring, compassionate, kind, funny, just very genuine down to earth. And I uh, my first job was actually Build-A-Bear. And I knew that I wanted to be with kids and I loved working with them, doing funny, silly dances and all kinds of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When did you start teaching and what were you teaching? So I started teaching in 2016 and I was teaching second grade. I taught all the subjects in second grade, math, science reading, writing, um, and all the bits in between and just like how to be a good person, social skills. And then um, after that, I I continued to teach in second grade for for five years. But then we kind of changed the way that we were delivering instruction. So instead of me just teaching everything, um, I got to really hone in on what I loved and taught just math and science. So Layla, what about you? What drew you to teaching? Um, I struggled a lot when I was a student in the earlier years, and I had a lot of impatient teachers as a child. And as a kid, like I just knew <laughs> that like none of my teachers really liked me at all for many, many years. And so then, like one year when I was in uh, fifth or sixth grade, like I ha- finally had like a teacher who really like took time to get to know me and like talk to me and help me learn. And so then I was like, oh my God, like I want to be like this type of person. Like I want to be like this type of teacher. Her name was Miss Saltz. And so when I got mm-hmm. to college, I wasn't really sure like what I wanted to do. And then like I remembered Miss Saltz and the way she had like such a big impact on me. And I do like kids. I've always like worked well with kids. So I said, maybe like that's what I'm supposed to do. And so that's how I ended up becoming a teacher. Yeah. What were you teaching and how long were you teaching? I was teaching ESL, English as a Second Language, for kids from other countries. And I taught Mm -hmm. since 2013. Yeah. So was there a moment when you decided this wasn't working for you, that you couldn't do it anymore? Um, I had some struggles where I was at. I, I loved the kids, but honestly, as the years progressed, I felt like things were just getting harder and harder and harder. And as you would think, like in a job, you would probably find things get easier and easier and easier as you got more comfortable with the job. But um, there was a lot of a lot of pressures that and tasks that were just piling up uh, for a teacher to do. 
And I would say that there was just a huge shift in what education really looked like um, for not only just for a student, but as for a teacher trying to deliver that instruction. Even the after school meetings, uh, the meetings mm-hmm. in, that honestly could have been an email turned into hour long meetings and not so much on Zoom, but it was just getting everybody into a space and, you know, just drilling information that we already knew and not really being treated as a professional. So, and then as I would get out of school, it would be six o'clock and I didn't have time, any time for myself. I couldn't go to the gym. I was exhausted. I wanted to go home. Honestly, the tears just started flowing from there. And I was honestly just turning into a person I didn't want to be. I'm not an angry person. And my family was feeling the brunt of that. I didn't want to hang out with friends. And yeah, it was just a really, really sad time. Oh, man. So, Layla, what about you? Well, you know, it was working for a long time. Like, I was very, very happy. Mm-hmm. Even at my final school where I resigned, I was happy for a long time there, too. But then um, I got pregnant with my first child. And ever since, like, I had her, like, it it changed. Like, even being at work changed for me. Um, and this was also in COVID. So, like, it was 2020 happened. I had my kid. And then, like, everything just started to change. I felt, I remember I heard Shelby say earlier, it just felt like you didn't have time to be a person anymore. And it was beginning to feel like that for me too, because like my workload just tripled. And then at school, they were expecting so much more from me. Like it was such a crazy time. And so like nobody really knew what to do or how to teach properly. I get home and I had the baby and that was another full-time job. And it was just becoming overwhelming. And the demands of my administrators were not beginning to make sense to me anymore. And so I was one day just told my husband, like, I don't like, I feel like I'm just a robot. Like, I don't feel like I'm a person anymore, you know? So like something has to change, but it was the the COVID and the babies and the workload basically. Layla, I, I completely agree. I mean, if I could just tag on to that COVID changed everything, the turning, the the turning point was COVID. Now, I didn't have a baby. I didn't go through some of the experiences that you went through. But when we came back from COVID, returning to the classroom, the demands and the pressures were significantly higher. But I think everybody was in this heightened state of of the unknown and not knowing what to expect after everything had shut down. But at the same time, it was kind of like a grace period saying, well, we don't know. We're going to figure it out as we go. So they would tell us, oh, you're going to be teaching virtually. And then that changed into hybrid instruction. So not only was I teaching in person, (laughs) but I was teaching kids that Uh were online as well. I felt like they were giving parents more options than to teachers. So Mm -hmm. that's great that they got to choose if they wanted their child to be in school in the first quarter or the second quarter or the third or whatever it was. But as teachers, it was just, okay, this is what we're doing now. This is the next yeah. chapter. You're going to adapt. But don't worry. We're going to give you support. Did oh, that happen? No support. <laughs> no. No. They just kept going like it wasn't a big oh, deal. Man. But after the yeah. year had ended, I you know, would reflect on it and be like, you know what? That really wasn't that bad. And if I could get through that year, then I could probably do the next. The year after that was worse. 
Um, they, <laughs> How? Yeah, because the kids, I mean, you had kids who weren't in the yeah. classroom for a whole year come back to school the next year, maybe if they did. And they didn't know how to interact with kids. They didn't know how to interact with adults. All they knew was their online life at home. And that's if they even did any schoolwork. So Mm -hmm. you would have kids who were completely caught up. You would have kids who were a year behind, two years behind, X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And Mm -hmm. that was extremely hard. And then that's when the demand started to come in. They're saying not only are you going to just get to school, but you're going to have to be a the the PPE person. You're going to have to also be the first aid person. You're going to also have to be this person and this person. And I was like, I don't know if I can be all those persons and what exactly you want me to be because the rules were changing literally every day. Mm-hmm. As the CDC was changing, our rules were changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of you. I forgot about it because I think I blocked it out from the trauma, but I teach freshmen, ESL kids. And so um, a lot of these kids are coming from countries that were on lockdown way longer than like we were. Like for us in Texas, it was like a year or six months max, you know. But these some of these kids like from Peru and Mexico and China, they were on lockdown for years. And so I realized like halfway through the year that the students I had, many of them hadn't been in school, like in a classroom setting since they were in like sixth grade. And now they're freshmen, you know. And I just wasn't like prepared for like I'm not a middle school teacher. Like those are superheroes, you know. Like I'm a high school teacher. Like I don't have the same skill set as like the middle school teachers do. And I, like Shelby said, like I, there was just no support from like the administration, like no patience. I remember I got observed one time in October of last school year, uh, and so the te- the administrator walked in, and I was teaching the kids how to log into the Chromebooks on Google because some of them had never like used the Chromebook before. They didn't know how the school system worked. Some of them knew very well, but it was the first time that we were really doing it. And she happened to walk in and she told me, it just felt like you were wasting a lot of time teaching them that. And I told her, well, you know, I wasn't expecting that so many of these kids like would not be computer savvy or like, because she was like, well, they were all virtual before. And I was like, yeah, but they were not in the US. They were in Peru and they were in like little villages (laughs) in China and I don't know like what resources they had and so it was like um it just made me feel bad because I was like you know I'm doing my best like these kids are doing their best and like it takes time so like after that it just kind of like um I guess rubbed me the wrong way and it was the start of many similar situations where it was like what you're doing isn't enough even though like I've been doing this for 10 years or nine years and I'm doing I'm comfortable with what I do, but it doesn't help when you're being so criticized for like teaching kids that are in a completely unique situation because it's like post-COVID and everything is different, you know? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yeah. So is either of you at all surprised that so many teachers have been leaving the profession? Not at all. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) I I think, like I said, the increasing demands, uh, the lack of support, the the disregard of being treated 
like a professional or even a human being, like, I'm sorry, I went to school, I have my bachelor's and I have my master's. And how Mm -hmm. are you to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about? And I don't, I don't mean to sound conceited, but it's these parents and the administration need to have more faith in their teachers. And I, I can't even tell you the, the amount of money that I pour into my classrooms Mm -hmm. every single year. I know I max it out on the, whenever I do my taxes, yes, my, my personal money for, for my checking account. I mean, not only in my, in my title one district, but even in the other district that I was a part of that we were even given, um, this is shocking. They would give us an Amazon gift card to buy things for our classroom. So yeah, they gave us money to buy things, but I was still throughout the year needing pencils and whatever it may be for my students. So it was the lack of, you know, the salary was just, I'm sorry, it's, it was not enough. And so I think a lot of teachers are, I think they're having that realization saying, you know what, I'm a person, I deserve more than this and tired of being treated unfairly. And Mm -hmm. I'm not really liking the person that I am. And it's meant that whole turn of like mental health and taking care of yourself. I I gained over 70 pounds when I was a teacher and that's because I I was sad. I didn't have time. There was no, I mean, there's companies out there that, that pay you to go work out. They give you an allowance. I never got that. And I think people are, they're fed up and they're seeing these waves of teachers standing up and saying enough is enough. And I'm tired of being treated like this. And in my school, we started losing teachers even before this year. Last year, actually, we lost like, I'm going to say like at least one fourth of the teachers that we had from the previous COVID intense year. And so last year, my administrator called me into her office in like late August, like the year had just started. And she told me, we're going to get me to give you some more preps because like we're short on staff. And so I said, okay. So a a prep is you're teaching a different class. Yeah, a different class. Totally different course. Mm -hmm. And so I told her like, okay, like that, that should be fine. At the time I was teaching three preps. And so I was like, I guess I can teach four. Like I can be helpful. And then the following Monday, I look at my schedule because it's changed. And then they put me six, like I had six whole different courses and like the one planning period. And two of the courses were courses I had never taught before. I think two of those preps, I ended like, honestly, didn't teach them anything because I just didn't have time to, to create for six courses, like in a one, in one planning period. And I refused to do anything more than like an hour after school. Like if, because I have, I'm trying to have a personal life, you know, so some of those classes just like fell through the cracks and I got in trouble for it for sure. But I told them like, I just can't, like, I'm the only teacher I know who has six preps. Like other teachers had three or four to accommodate, but I had six. So it's like, it's just the demands are too much, you know, like maybe if they treated the teachers more like professionals and not question every single thing they do and then not give them such a heavy workload they'd be able to retain more teachers but it doesn't surprise me at all that teachers are leaving yeah so after the uvalde school shooting i heard a lot of teachers who felt pressured by that that they were somehow supposed to keep their classes safe did either of you feel that well i can go ahead and i have my answer already because i remember 
I cried for like two weeks when that school shooting happened because my sister, who's not a teacher, we were having a conversation about like, it's the teacher's job to keep kids safe and that kind of thing. And I told her, well, you know, like teachers are not trained military professionals. Like we don't have the mindset to just like sacrifice ourselves. And I told her like, maybe this makes me a bad person, but I don't know if like my instinct would be to save like others. I think the first thing I would think about is my own kids and how they need me. And I told her, does that make me a bad person? Like, I don't know. Like I've never been in that kind of situation, but teachers just have so much pressure. Like we have to be the superhero on top of, you know, the educator and like teach them the manners and teach them how to function in the world and get ready for the world and like protect them. And some people want us to have guns in the classroom. Like it's just too many demands, I guess. And I told her like, I don't judge a teacher if they don't feel like they can do it because it's just like not what they signed up to do. You know, I'm not one of the Avengers. So it's, it's like, you, like <laughs> yeah. can you really blame them? It made me feel like maybe I'm a bad teacher because my instinct isn't to think like, I'm going to save the school. Like I'm going to be the, the one to sacrifice. Like my instinct would be, I think like save myself. I remember talking to my husband about it and I was like, like, I feel like I don't have what it takes to be a teacher anymore. Like, you know, and he told me, well, that's like, don't feel too bad because that's not technically what you signed up for. But at the same time, it's becoming a job requirement. Yeah. Layla, I, I, I don't think you should feel bad. You shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel bad. And I think a lot of it stems from personal experiences. I mean, I don't, I don't have kids on my own, so I can't really relate or even think about what I would do. My, I can say right now, I, I can say it. Don't know if I would do it. Uh, I, I would think as a teacher, I protect, protect my students. Now, in the event that something would happen, I can't say that I would do the same thing. I am might be just as scared. I would be wondering about my husband or my mom or, you know, just trying to let them know that I'm safe. So it's, it's kind of hard to put yourself, put yourself into that frame of mind of like the unknown. So it's, it's really hard to kind of justify on what you would do in a scenario like that, because we don't have the experience. It's overwhelming to really think about that's, that's kind of, how we have to have that extra layer on top of our instruction of just being, being an adventure, being a superhero. Yeah. yeah. What has life been like for both of you since leaving teaching? Personally, I, I love where I'm at. I, I love my job. I, I, I work from home now. I get to really do what I want. I'm helping, um, write and edit curriculum for a company, an ed tech company. So in a way, I... So school curriculum. Yeah, school curriculum, exactly. So I'm still in the field. Um, I'm getting to utilize my, my master's degree. And I feel like I'm able to help more teachers and in turn help more students that way. I'm reaching more because this is nationwide as opposed to just what's confined in my space of a classroom. What I am going to miss, um, I'm... Because I I've, I've been thinking about it, I'm I'm gonna miss those relationships with those kids, and I and I wonder, do they do they like being in my classroom? Did I did I teach them something? Do they do they miss me? So in that way, um, it is a little heartbreaking, and I I do reflect and look back on those students who I did teach because I they they gave me a lot of joy. 
but you know, with that joy, it was, I, I think there was a lot more of heartbreak and a lot more demands. And I, I would say that I am happier now, happier now, mentally, physically, um, in so many ways. Yeah, I have to agree with Shelby. In May, I was crying a lot about quitting because it was it had been nine years and um, the relationships with the kids, I was worried, you know, I'm not going to have that anymore. And I really went through a whole entire grieving period in May. And it's it, it surprised a lot of people because I quit by choice. And I told them, that, like, I am happy that I'm quitting. It's just the end of something I've been doing for so long. But now August has come along and I think today is actually the first day of school and I just feel so great, you know, like I spend so much more time <laughs> with my kids and like I drove by the school and I was like, oh, look at those prisoners. I'm joking. But um, it was, it's been really good. Like, like I say, Michelle, I'm also working for an ed tech company creating curriculum. So I still am in the field as well, but at home. And it's as long as I complete what I need to do by the end of the week, I'm good. Like there's nobody on top of me. There's nobody walking yeah. in telling me I'm doing it wrong. I don't know that if I'm ever going to go back into a classroom at all at this point, because it's like for the first time in many, many years, I feel like I am a person again and I have time for my hobbies and I have hobbies and I can explore who I am and there's just more time, you know, and it's, the toxicity of like being undervalued and underappreciated and overworked it's just it just doesn't exist anymore and it feels good oh i'm so glad y'all are in better places now. <laughs> all right thank you both so much for talking with me yeah it was great thank you for having us thank you now i am here with producer carleon jones carly what else is in the Houston news? Hey, Lisa. So since we're on the subject of schooling, I ran across an article that talked about new data that was released earlier this month, ranking Texas 45th in the nation for civic engagement. The data comes from Opportunity Insight at Harvard University and looks at the share of former students who are members of certain groups on Facebook. This means that not only are teachers in Texas feeling the disconnect, but also the students to the point that they don't want to volunteer. That is it for our show today. For Thursday, we're planning an episode about great Houston date nights. So if you have suggestions, please text us at 713-489-6972. Or better still, leave us a voicemail so we can use your voice in the show. We'll have that number in our show notes. And tomorrow, we'll be back with a show about a piece of Houston history that you almost certainly didn't learn about in school, the 1917 Armed Uprising against Jim Crow. Talk with you then. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, so, all right. Let me save that sucker. <laughs>